On the last day, the heavens will be unlocked. The Old Testament saint was genuinely saved by faith. There are those in Israel that were genuinely regenerate by faith, same mechanism by which we're saved. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part two of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing from Pastor Paul Twiss. Pastor Paul is beginning a study through the New Testament book of Ephesians. Beginning with this 11-part series, he'll be leading us through chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. The Apostle Paul leads off in verse 3 of his letter to the Ephesian believers on how truly blessed they are. And he doesn't stop listing those blessings until verse 14. The apostle wrote this letter to encourage them, whom he knew so well, having brought the gospel to them and lived among them for several years. Surprisingly, the apostle begins with, Blessed be God. Pastor Paul calls attention to what a remarkable request this is. The thought of God's chosen creatures blessing him may sound foreign, since Christians are so used to thinking about their blessings coming from God. What does Paul mean by saying it? Here's part two of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing. We tend to divide the sacred from the secular. We often think of Sundays as a distinct day in the week, but for the wrong reasons. It is a special day. It is the Lord's Day. We get to set aside all other things and worship God with God's people. But shouldn't we be worshiping all the week long. As a Christian, our lives should be guided by the drumbeat of worship towards our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do should be informed by worship, and yet so often that is not the case. What Paul says is regardless of how you behave and how you think, God pronounces you 100%, 24-7 in your Savior. That is how you're found. And the reason that these blessings are true of you is for that very reason. If there were a part of the week where you weren't in Christ theologically, the blessings wouldn't be there. But the reason that they're always there is because you are always to be found in Christ. It is impossible for you to step out of the domain that is called Christ. And for that reason, all of these blessings belong to you all of the time whether you are mindful of them or not. On a Sunday, these blessings are yours. On a Monday morning, when the alarm clock sounds far too early, these blessings are yours. When you drive to work, these blessings are yours. When you engage with the world, these blessings are yours. When you sin, these blessings are yours. They don't disappear when you sin. They're yours. Because 100% of the time you are in Christ. Now, how then does that inform our blessing of God? That's how he's blessed us. One of the ways that Paul gives us. He's blessed us in Christ. How does that inform our blessing of God? I would say it compels us to live out a 24-7 Christianity. 
that we be true to who we are. One way in which you can bless God with your whole life is strive to be who you are, namely someone who is in Christ all of the time. That you would put that on display for others to see that it would be true of you whenever you are found. Some years ago, a pastor gave me a list of questions that he called x-ray questions. He said, I want you to take these and walk through them every so often. And some of the questions on there were for Laura to answer and some were for my children to answer. I still have them and occasionally I'll pull one out and I'll just ask either Laura or the kids. And there were questions on there like, what is the most important thing to dad? I remember asking my kids that. I asked one of my children when they were maybe three or four. I was in seminary and I said, what do you think the most important thing to dad is? And I remember they said pretty quickly, coffee. (laughs) I said, it's pretty important. (laughs) It's not the most important thing. Another question on that list that causes me to tremble. Is daddy the same person on a Sunday as he is the rest of the week? I've asked my kids, do you see me on a Sunday behave differently to how you see me behave for the rest of the week? One way you bless God is by living a Christian life all of the time. The second way in which God has blessed us that informs our blessing of him is that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. What does this mean? Paul is not marking the material blessings here as wrong. By saying every spiritual blessing, he's not saying, therefore, material blessings are wrong or inherently sinful. We do often get trapped into that way of thinking where anything that is material that we might count as a a goodness of the Lord towards us, we're embarrassed by. We shun or we try to hide because we feel somehow it's inherently sinful. Paul is not saying that. Paul does not believe that. The Bible doesn't teach that. Material blessings are real. God does provide for us good things that can be seen and touched and experienced. We have to be careful that they don't become to us a snare, a means of sin, but they are not in and of themselves inherently sinful. Paul is not doing that by saying we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, but what he is doing is elevating the spiritual blessing. He is elevating the spiritual blessings. They are spiritual because they are not seen, and they're spiritual because they're mediated by the Holy Spirit. The reason, I think, that Paul elevates them is because the spiritual blessings address a far greater need than the material blessings. What the material blessings do is meet a very temporary need. We feel it acutely because we're very physical people. But what the spiritual blessings do is address a far, far greater need. Namely, our sin before a holy God. 
our distance from a holy God, having alienated ourselves from Him by our way of living. What the spiritual blessings do is address the trajectory that every sinner is on, namely towards eternal punishment in hell. You don't see these things with your eyes. You sometimes see the fruit of sin. You don't see in the bloodstream the DNA strand that says sinner. You don't see our alienation from God with your eyes in an everyday sense. The spiritual blessings are of much greater value because they address a far greater need. Think about it the other way. If I had come in this evening and had given you a check for an enormous amount of money, if I had blessed you monetarily, you would feel the benefits of that blessing for some time. Next Sunday, you would be back with a smile on your face, thanking me again and saying, we are benefiting so much from that gift. Perhaps in a year's time, you would find cause to still thank me because there's still some ongoing ramifications of that generosity. If the Lord were to allow you to live another hundred years, my guess is a hundred years from now, that gift would have no ongoing consequences in your life. The benefit would be spent. It'd be done. It was good in its, in its time, in its proper place, but it doesn't have an ongoing significance in your life, at least not beyond a few years. The spiritual blessings you have will resound 10,000 years from now. 10,000 years from now, the spiritual blessings that are yours this evening in Christ will still be felt by you. You will still be praising Christ for the gospel because of the blessings that came from it 10,000 years from now. And they won't have faded one bit. If not, they will have only enlarged in your estimation. Your appreciation of them will only grow as eternity progresses. What are those spiritual blessings? Paul tells us in verses 4 through 14, he tells us that we have been chosen from before the foundation of the world. He tells us that we're holy and blameless before God because of Christ's sacrifice. He tells us that we've been adopted as sons and daughters of the living God, that our trespasses have been forgiven, that we've received the Holy Spirit and been sealed with it as a guarantee of our one day inheritance. On and on the list goes. These are our spiritual blessings. And they are ours this evening in Christ. Now how does that inform our blessing God? We bless God by knowing well how he has blessed us. So how does it help us to bless God knowing that we have every spiritual blessing? I would suggest that we bless God with our lives by having content hearts. Content hearts. Ponder that God has held back from you nothing. If we could go into heaven this evening and search out the storehouses of blessing, you wouldn't find a blessing there that God has not given to you. 
It wouldn't be the case that you could go into his storehouses of blessing this evening and find a blessing and say, God, you held this one back from me. That would not be our experience. He hasn't held back from you any spiritual blessing. God's word tells us you have every spiritual blessing. To put it another way, we sit here this evening as the richest people on the planet. Do you believe that? If you do, you live with content hearts. Grumbling, complaining is not a mark of the Christian life. Do not get wrapped up into the comparison game. It will kill you. Do not get wrapped up into the comparison game. Why did God give this person this thing and not me? Why did God give me this and not someone else? Don't do it. Your lot is your lot and God has given it to you and not somebody else. What I believe to be true is that God has given to others things that we could not bear and you actually don't want their lot as much as you think you do. You actually don't want their lot, though you lust after it. Don't get wrapped up into the comparison game. Trust that God knows what he's doing. As he has ordained your lot in life, meditate on the truth that you have every spiritual blessing. You lack nothing as it relates to your greatest needs. And for that reason, you bless God by being thoroughly content. The third way in which God has blessed us is in the heavenly places. God is the blesser and he has blessed us. How? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly places. So how does this third part of the blueprint inform us as to how we bless God? When Paul says in the heavenly places, he uses a word that is somewhat rare to talk about heaven. He had options and there's a word that is far more common that he could have used to speak about the things above and he chooses a slightly rarer word. And I think he does that for two reasons. One, if you remember the theological backdrop to the letter to the Ephesians was the occult. Dark magic, dark practices. Anyone caught up in the occult would have spoken also of blessings. Maybe they wouldn't have used that word, but they would have spoken of being endued with power from the forces that govern them. And so I believe that as Paul uses this rare word to speak about the heavens... He's pointing at the very, very highest expression of the heavens. So as to make sure that anyone reading his letter who was in Ephesus at that time, who understood the theological backdrop to the letter, was clear the blessings of which Paulus is speaking are not from anywhere, but from the highest place, namely where God resides. He wants people to be abundantly clear on that matter. These blessings are not coming from any other thing force or authority. Secondly, and perhaps more prevalent in Paul's thinking, is the understanding that was wrapped up in the Old Testament and in Jewish thought that the heavenlies is a place that has a lock on it. 
If you read through the Old Testament, especially the prophets, and you take time to understand what the prophets said about the last day of salvation history, what you'll see is a persistent understanding that on the last day, the heavens will be unlocked. The Old Testament saint was genuinely saved by faith. There are those in Israel that were genuinely regenerate by faith. Same mechanism by which we're saved. But oh, how they longed for that last day. Because they understood that the manifold blessings of God were being held for them until then. The heavenlies in Jewish thought referenced a time when the heavens would be unlocked. Judgment would be poured out on those who had not put faith in God. And salvation blessings would issue forth to those who had. This is why the Old Testament speaks so often about waiting and hoping and waiting and hoping. What Paul says in verse 3 of chapter 1 to the Ephesians shifts the paradigm of salvation history. It is difficult to overstate just how much this would have challenged anyone who knew of Jewish thinking as it related to the heavenlies. Paul is saying, it's yours now. It has come to you now. Those blessings that you understand rightly to be in the heavenlies are possessed by you right now in Christ. He's changing the framework by which we understand salvation. We will get into this more as we work through Ephesians because Paul will go on to speak about the new covenant. This facet taps into new covenant theology. What Paul will say about the new covenant is that the old has passed. The Mosaic covenant is dead. There is a new ordinance, a new covenant by which we live. And one of the immense blessings of the new covenant is that all of those things for which you were waiting have been given to you right now. Now, some of them have been realized in part, not in their fullest sense. You will realize them fully on the last day of salvation history. Some of them have actually come to you in all of their fullness right now. We'll speak about it more as we come across it in the letter to the Ephesians, but understand this evening when Paul says, in the heavenly places... He is saying, all that for which you were waiting has come to you, and you possess it right now. It's yours in Christ. How does that inform our worship of God? How does it help us to bless Him? I would say we bless God by being heavenly-minded. If it is true that the heavenly things have come to us now in the gospel. In God's wisdom, not being held back for the last day of salvation history, but in God's wisdom, come to us now. Oh, how heavenly-minded we ought to be. We have tasted of heaven in the gospel. We have tasted of eternal things in Christ. They have not been set off for us to ponder and to wait for, but God has said, enjoy them now. We are to be heavenly creatures. We are here with a job to do. In God's wisdom, he hasn't called us home, but he wants us here right now on earth. 
And there are good things to give our efforts and our strengths to right before us. But we should go about them in a heavenly way. With a heavenly mindset. Which means you don't waste your time on silly, temporary things that don't benefit anyone to any real degree. We seem to be so caught up in this culture of entertainment and trivial things so that we live to be entertained. We have lost all sight of the mission that God has given us in order that we would be entertained as often as we can be. That is not a heavenly-minded attitude. That is not living in a heavenly way. We work, and we work in such a way that we have been informed by heavenly realities. It also means that you don't fear that which has only temporary consequences. We have no reason to fear the things that will not have a lasting effect. There is a lot around us that could cause fear in our hearts. And a heavenly mindset says, I refuse to fear these things. God has given me a taste of heaven in the gospel. One day very soon I'll be with Christ, so you will not cause me to fear. But I will fear God and I will bless him. How do you bless God who has blessed you? You bless him by having a heavenly mindset. By having a deep-seated contentedness. And by acknowledging that he has not held back any spiritual blessing. And so, with our lives, we seek to bless him in response. Let's pray to close. Father, we give you thanks for this one verse this evening that we have considered. We understand the exhortation that naturally flows from it, that we are to bless you. We are, in many senses, overwhelmed by that responsibility that that we might be those who bless you. And yet the very fabric of the gospel informs us that because you have blessed us, we can now live our lives blessing you. As we understand that you have blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Father, teach our hearts the profundity of these truths so that our blessing of you would be informed. It would be biblical and accurate and you would gain great praise from our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to Timeless Truth Today. In part two today, Pastor Paul calls our attention to the many spiritual blessings the Ephesians receive as followers of the living Christ. Quote, chosen before the foundation of the world, holy and blameless before God, adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. End quote. These and more blessings are what we Christians sometimes take for granted. When we think about them and daily glorify our Savior for them, then the God of the universe is blessed by His own children. Have you realized He rescued you from sin by pouring out His grace upon you? 
If you'd like to hear more and grow more, there's great teaching on our website, TimelessTruthToday.org. TimelessTruthToday.org. On the homepage, select Broadcasts to find an archive of gospel teaching from Pastor Paul, all free for the listening. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twist, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. With Sunday right around the corner, if you don't have a home church, come worship with us at 1030 a.m. every Sunday. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks. Join us tomorrow. It's part three of our new series, Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.